0: Your
1: crocs and let's get trusted somewhat happy hour with Josh Vest Well hey welcome to season 2 episode 2 of the somewhat happy hour with me Josh Vest This is going to be such a great episode. I have such a wonderful guest for you today. I have the legendary Mr. Chuck Wagner. You might recognize him from the 1980s original production of Into the Woods. You know, you may have seen the film production. Yeah, well he plays Rapunzel's prince or you might have seen him on tour with Jekyll and Hyde, or you may have seen him in Les Mis, or, like me, you may have gotten the privilege of seeing him host Ringling Brothers and Barnum and Bailey, the greatest show on earth. That's my Chuck Wagner impression. Not the best, but I think it's okay. So now, the podcast begins with Mr. Wagner talking about his journey on working on the Disney cruise ships, which would then lead him into what he's currently doing and performing on many cruise ships with his one-man show. And now sit back, relax, and enjoy
2: the podcast. I wrote to uh, Thomas Schumacher, the president of Disney Theatrical. I told him, look, I'm still feeling great. i got a lot to offer. you got any ideas? And he put me in touch with a man named Jeff Lee who was the assistant director for The Lion King with Julie Taymor. And he was in charge of the guest appearances on the Disney Cruise Line. And he said, if I could create a show
0: that they could sell, that they could pitch, you know, he'd see what he could do. And so I did. And
2: uh, and for uh, the Disney Cruise Lines, they have to be 50% Disney. But since Disney bought Into the Woods, that helped me. There you go. Starting. I was most of the way there already. So I just <laughs> added a few extra Disney songs. For uh, uh, the only things that are different from that show to what I do now, I, I threw in uh, right before I le- as I left high school. I threw in "Proud of Your Boy" from Aladdin. Uh, halfway through, I put in her voice from Little Mermaid, and then I also did the um, the Quasimodo song. Um, that not out there, but the, the 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 from the musical. It's a beautiful mm-hmm. song, uh, nice. which escapes me. It's, it's been that, how long? It's and since I've done it, uh, what do you know of me? <laughs> Made of Stone.
1: Made of Stone, song. okay. Yeah. It's a
2: great, great song. And uh, But now that I'm here on the fun ships, I'm doing my show, and they really – it's good. I'm playing in a thing called the Atrium. It's a huge, huge space, beautiful, beautiful place. But it's kind of like playing in an airport because there's traffic and there's noise and there's drinking, blah, blah. <laughs> so I'm thinking about throwing in a few – like one of the, the – the, they have a live band on that thing who says – when he heard my voice, he said, I would be singing Sinatra. So I'm thinking I may throw in my way maybe. And uh, maybe New York, New York halfway through as far as telling the story, just because
0: a lot of people who are, my stuff is very story intensive, Mm -hmm. right? So if you're not really paying
2: attention, you know, so if at least I can hook them in with a song, they know maybe they'll they'll pay attention. Right. I'm (laughs) working on working on that.
1: I love it. I love it. I, it just sounds, it sounds like a lot of fun and it's a great way to travel.
2: Oh, it's amazing. It's great. Usually, I'm they call me the fly on entertainer, and I do this joke. And then I, when I was six, I had this Superman costume, and I told him, You know, make made my dreams unlimited, and it worked
0: because now I'm your fly on entertainer, <laughs> and uh, which usually makes more sense when I fly on and then fly back home, right? But now, with
2: COVID, we have I, have I have to suffer through the whole cruise
1: every time. Oh, this sounds terrible,
2: it's a, it's a sacrifice I'm willing to make, <laughs> right?
1: <laughs> <laughs> so I want to start talking about uh, uh, where did you did you study theater in college or I did.
2: I first my first two years were at the University of Alabama in Tuscaloosa under a man named Edmund Williams who was the head of the theater department and the very first show I did was a play called Edward Bond's Lear that was part of the American Collegiate Theater Festival that we took all the way to the Kennedy Center in Washington D.C. So my very first show was a tour and then in the summer so actually my very first show before college right after high school. Um, there was a talent scout for a place called Jenny Wiley Summer Music Theater in Prestonburg, Kentucky, up in the up in the hills. And just to show you how rural it was, they'd come and they'd say, what movie are y'all doing? And they no, it's live theater. And afterward, <laughs> they'd, they'd come by and say, well, that was a hell of a good movie. Uh, but we did 1776, Showboat, and a thing called The Grass Harp. That was a Truman Capote play. And uh, and, and 1776, like I said, on. we did that. I, I, my first show I ever saw when I was 10 years old was the original cast of the original production of 1776. And then on July 4th, 1976, I was in 1776. So wow. And, that was, and then, so then I started college, and uh, during the summers, um, I, um, did a, uh, musical, I did a musical, I did an outdoor drama called The Lost Colony mm-hmm. on the Outer Banks of
1: North Carolina. North Carolina, yeah.
2: And, yeah, it was, direct, it was directed by the great Broadway director Joe Layton explained that if we were serious about the business there's two places to go right there's new york the center of the known universe or los angeles and because there's a beach in la i decided to transfer i auditioned for and was accepted into the theater department at uh, at at usc and the day that i walked in i'm signing in the very first day i overheard them say they needed somebody tall who could sing so i stuck my head in and said i am i can and so with this young composer who had convinced them to produce his first musical we went to the musical hall i sang for about three hours and they cast me as the lead in the, in the main stage show the day i walked in to the theater department and that guy's name was frank wildhorn and <laughs> that, the, the show was called uh, christopher and so uh, i started his first show then and we started working on while while, while i was at school uh, there was another student there named steve Cuton and we did the first draft of jekyll and hyde back then we also did uh, we did an anthony and cleopatra we did uh we did a rasputin we did we did any of it had a recognizable title that's what frank does he takes uh, something that's a known commodity and he can he, and he re-engineers it so i love it it was good and um, so after i left uh, college i got uh, a job on general hospital i was the old mr Quartermain secretary that went for a couple of years and that led to my tv show Automan. yep and so i was like television's answer to tron and and it didn't run. It ran 13 weeks, so for me, it was a moderate success. You know, you could look at it as being a failed uh, failed series, but but it was still pretty great. And, and thanks. I'm, it's obscure enough now that there. Uh, I'm starting to do sci fi conventions again. Because uh, so I, this last one I did in Pensacola was uh, it was me and Dirk Benedict sitting next to so we were like the old 80s actor exhibit, and uh, so that was fun. And uh, so. After Man, I did my Broadway debut in the revival of the 1927 Rudolf Rimmel classic, The Three Musketeers. <laughs> I was Athos and Ron Taylor, the original voice of the plant, and Lil L'Chapa horrors was Porthos. And Brent Spiner, who would go on to be Data in Star Trek, was Aramis. And that didn't run a long time, but that gave me a chance to uh, audition for uh, Stephen Sondheim in and got me cast in Into the Woods. And that that took up several years of my life. In fact, I have the score signed by Stephen Sondheim
1: that says thanks for a major portion of your life. And that was very, very cool. Um, so I, I was I've been doing some research and I found that before you were cast in Into the Woods, you were going to go into the mystery of Edwin Drood. Is that true?
2: I tried to. I tried to. That's how I got. it. Uh, first I had auditioned in Los Angeles for James Lapine, for Into the Woods. Mm-hmm and uh, about the same time Drood was on Broadway and I wrote to the New York Shakespeare Festival and I said listen and, and I had just done Automan so I had a little notoriety right and so I said you know I love this show it's right in my wheelhouse I could sing the hell of it I'd really like a chance to, uh, to, repl- to do it when you come to the West Coast and so they wrote me back and they said well thank you Mr. Wagner would you consider replacing Howard McGillan in New York and I said would I <laughs> and so but before that happened, I had auditioned in Los Angeles for James L. Pine and he didn't call me back. Hmm. And so then I went to New York to audition for Drew. They gave me, you know, comp seats, and they treated me like a, a celebrity, and it was very, very nice. And while I was in New York, I had the chance to audition again, and this time it was for Stephen Sondheim, and he liked me, and so that's how I got into the end of the woods. <laughs> that's. Uh... And so I didn't get Drew. I did not get Drew, which is a shame. I love Drew.
1: That song, "A Man Could Go Big Man, that's a great song. I think now you could play, uh, you'd be a great chairman in, in oh, yeah, Drew. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I think that would
2: be Listen, a great I, one. I'm happy to do whatever I can do. There's uh, For the longest time, you know, big
0: baritones aren't, you know, since like the 90s, it's all been like teenage tenors. Yeah,
1: yeah. So uh, big, big men will come back. But I'm, that's, why, that's why it's such a blessing for me to be able to do this on the cruise ships. There's not
2: a lot of Broadway guys out here. Right. And, uh, and, you know, because a lot of the the bulk of my story, I sing the songs that I've done all Broadway. It's mm-hmm. pretty
1: exciting. Yeah. So, uh, so so let's let's talk about Into the Woods. I'm sure you talk about this all the time, but let's let's why not? Let's. Know, talk it's a there.
2: big part of my show. I have a whole set. Of agony <laughs> uh, as a duet I've of I've
1: seen that, and I think that is one of the best things I've ever seen. I think it's brilliant. I think it's hilarious. <laughs> uh, it, it's great. Um, well, well, the reason I got
2: that when I got that idea that we did Jason Alba. And produce my album, and he was like musical director on *Jekyll and Hyde*. And he told me when we were putting the album together, he said, "Just do it like *The Confrontation*, and you know, just do both parts." And it was easy enough to do. It was fabulous, and uh, so it's been. I've been doing it myself ever
1: since. And, and the same with uh, when I do the Wolf Song. I don't, if I have somebody to do the writing, but I let my, it's nice to have responses. When I, I saw Bernadette Peters do it in concert, where she didn't sing the responses, she just sang the wolf part. Mm-hmm. I said, "Well, she can do it, so can I." That's right. I wolf song, and then I do "No More" the same way. I do it back and forth with the son and the father, and that's a great song. It it's, a I love life. that song.
2: I saw Chip Zion when uh, we we did the the twenty uh, fifth anna- no not 25th, the tenth anniversary concert, and Tom Ulrich, I don't know if he passed away by then, or maybe it was after that. But after Tom passed, I saw Chip do both parts in
0: concert. I said, that's brilliant. So yeah. I can do that too. So it's fun. I, and that song is to me, the heart of the show. And right. The fact, it's, it's, the fact that it's
1: not in the movie is a sin. I, right. I agree. The movie, right? Oh, you know, I've that, seen the, it. The,
2: there's no narrator. And so there's no father. Then all of a sudden, oh crap, here's the father. And then, oh check! here comes the music. You can hear you, you can hear the music
1: start for no more. And then he just said, just be better. Than me. And, that's yeah, and, the and that was left. it. Yeah. yeah. Did, but, uh, did you? Uh, how did you feel about the movie?
2: I thought it was beautiful to look at. I thought that uh, because I had done the show with well, Barbara. Barbara Grin was obviously hysterically funny, and on the road we oh, had Charlotte Rae okay. as Jack's mother. Who, when she comes in, when the giant falls and she's screaming, that's a twenty-minute laugh break for the audience. It, the people are wetting themselves. It's so funny. And then here you've got Tracy Ullman, the funniest actress of our generation, and you don't laugh at Jack's mother once, once, and. Uh, so I thought they missed the boat on the comedy. The dark comedy
0: needed to be there. I thought Red Riding Hood was too young. I agree. I thought Jack was too young. So none of that, none of the double entendre really worked. Right. I didn't. I didn't hate Johnny Depp in it.
2: I got the whole idea of the Tex Avery suit suit idea. I didn't love that, but I didn't hate it. Uh, I thought the princes were good, but the fact that they didn't have the second agony, and the, there was no sense of time. Right. Without the act one and act two, it's like. Cinderella's
1: married to the prince for like 10 minutes. Or right, yeah, so it doesn't, it didn't, that's why I, I felt so, the same and way. And they couldn't kill Rapunzel because she's the Disney princess? Of course. Uh, God forbid. Because when we first killed Rapunzel in, in San Diego, she went off, you heard this huge twishing sound, and I came off literally wiping
2: gore off of me. <laughs> right? And they, they thought that was too much, so we backed that off. But the whole idea was she was not just crushed, she was squished by the giant. right? <laughs> and so... Um, and then also in the Baker's wife's death, you don't get the sense that she
0: stepped on by the giant. She just kind of falls out of focus off a cliff or something. Right. So I, I thought they missed the boat on some of it. I liked Meryl
2: Streep, but I didn't think she was i didn't think she was ugly enough as the witch. And I thought she looked – it wasn't a big enough contrast between the one and the other. I didn't see
1: that. Yeah, I it's get like, that.
2: It's like she didn't get her youth and beauty. She just kind of went to the beauty shop. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> um, so – uh, how long were you in Into the Woods? I know you did it on Broadway, and then you went on tour. I did tour.
2: on the road. I did a year on Broadway and a year on the road. So two years altogether.
1: Okay. Uh, had,
0: uh,
2: oh, but the thing that pissed me off, and you'll know this because you're a, a theater guy too, the princes are standing looking down on the castle, and you hear in the background a little night music, the night waltz from the night music. It's like, what, there's enough music in it? It's like, I guess there was a show. Night music, I, d- like,
1: I oh. did catch that, and I thought, oh, it's that can't brief, that can't, can't like, be. What? Yeah, it's it's... it's, a- it's a-
2: I think they did it as an Easter egg for the Sondheim fans, but it just, I think for real Sondheim fans, it
1: would be really pissed off. I mean, it was an interesting, uh, I did catch it the first time I saw it. I thought, no, that can't be. And then I thought about it. I thought, no, that definitely
2: is. Because because it it, it defeats the purpose of the essence of the music. Stephen Sondheim is such a genius. Yeah, And everything in that show is based on those magic beans. Bum, 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 bum. Everything is built on that. Every song comes out of those magic beans
1: yeah I right. uh and what it was such a great show and so how long was it between when you left the show and when you went back to film the show oh no
0: i was in the i was doing the national tour oh uh, the, the, the tuesday we opened new haven connecticut i opened this Cinderella's prince
2: and then the rest of the week i came back in town and did the Rapunzel Prince. So oh. I really had to concentrate.
1: <laughs> wow. Did it? Uh, was it like just like, you know, stepping back in a well-oiled oh, machine? Yeah, I
2: loved every bit of it. I loved every bit of it. The one thing they, nobody used the, uh, when I when the Prince jumped off the tower, mm-hmm. James had to jump off on a mini-tramp, but apparently he didn't make anybody else use it. So by the time they came back, I, I went on it and the trampoline just broke because it had just nobody maintained it, and it was like so that wasn't good. And I and when I finally saw that you couldn't even see me because of the tree, Stephen, I mean James, just let me do it because I was stupid enough to try. <laughs> and
0: nothing like things that I did like that pratfall off of the when I was blind and I fell off that ramp. Mm-hmm. Now
2: I I ended up I hurt myself pretty bad. Really? I, ended up, I developed a, like a synovial cyst on my arm because I kept falling on
0: the same place. <laughs>
2: and uh, but that's but I was willing to do that pratfall because I thought it was important.
0: Right. <laughs> um, so
2: have, yeah, I, loved I loved every minute of it. I loved every minute of
1: it. it, was, it was do you, uh, and I know there was an anniversary concert a few years ago? We,
2: did, we didn't know what we did. The 10-year, well, they did it. The 10-year concert that we did that, did, that I did, where I was the wolf, because Bob was, in, he was doing another show. Mm-hmm. And Jonathan Dekuchis was, did Rapunzel Prince for that tour. But I actually used, they brought back costume pieces, little pieces I wore, the wolf wig that I had, and my boots and stuff from that. That thing that was that was the ten year anniversary, and they don't think they really did anything for the for
1: twenty fifth anniversary. Okay, I thought there was might have been like a small. Uh... There was
2: a there was a talk through thing that they did in the, at, in Los Angeles. Okay, that was kind of a, a reunion, and they brought like they brought set pieces out, in costumes and stuff and that
1: was done at the. W- were South you Were California. you involved <laughs> with uh, with that? No, I came though. I, I, I when I heard it was happening, and
0: both they forgot. They neglected to invite Rapunzel and Rapunzel's prince. Really, we, but she lived there, literally thirty minutes from the venue, uh-huh. and so. And I said, "Well, you know." And when I found out about it, I said, "Well, the, I'm coming anyway." And so they they acknowledged us in the house. It was hosted by Moraka,
2: right? Uh-huh. From PBS, and it was just it was rude and hateful that we were not invited. That, that's kind of and, strange. And, and, so, and I said, "You watch me. You can't." The first thing. The, the the best way to get me to do something is tell me that I can't do it, <laughs> and I will find a way to make it happen. So, That's so we were there.
1: Very strange that you were not asked to be well, a part of it. It's it's
2: one of those things. What can you do? Right. Like I said, we made sure we, we made sure we represented.
1: <laughs> and I, I love it. So after uh, Into the Woods, how how long was it until Les Mis came into play?
0: Hmm, let's see. Uh,
2: well, it wasn't, it wasn't too long. We did, uh, it all kind of runs together. So I get into the woods. Then I got, then uh, the end of the 90s, I did the, uh, I mean, the end of the 80s into the early 90s. No, I think back. Yeah, so it was not a couple, just a couple of years. Then came the, uh, then came Les Mis. And after Les Mis came Beauty and the Beast. And while I was on in Beauty and the Beast, Jalen Hyde finally made it to Broadway. So I was already there. So it was like, what took you so long? <laughs>
1: And, uh, I know you did tour. the tour
2: After Into the Woods That's what was exactly next After Into the Woods Then I went to Houston
1: To create the role Oh okay Of uh,
2: Jacqueline Hyde In 1990 That's what happened So in 1990 I did uh, uh, Jacqueline Hyde At the Alley And then, Well first Before that I was Knighted Sir Lancelot By Robert Goulet At Theatre Under the Stars First it was a joint production Of Sacramento California And uh, And the uh, The, the Theatre Under the Stars In Houston and so after I finished that production with Robert Goulet, then we did the world premiere of Jacqueline Hyde, and then we would, we thought that would go to Broadway pretty much right away, and, but it didn't. And then that summer, we recorded the Scarlet Pimpernel album, mm-hmm. and then the next year, we came back to the alley to do Svengali, the musical, which is a beautiful, beautiful piece. And uh, like I say, it's, it never made it to Broadway, but I'm not dead yet. And I'm about the right age now, so... Um, but that was a bu- I think that's a beautiful show. I'd like you to see it. And my daughter Paige was born when Spingali. The day I made my debut, really, had to, in the afternoon I had to leave the hospital. And so the moment I made my entrance on stage, she made her entrance at the hospital. Wow, so I'll never be forgiven. Never be forgiven. We didn't have an understudy, so we didn't have a choice. <laughs> and uh, so that was fun. And then after Spingali, then came this. And then we moved from California to. Uh, Oh, but right before we moved, right before, right. So after, Sin, after Singali, I went back to Hollywood and and I connected with Andy Griffith, who I met at the Lost Colony. He, has, he actually lives in Manteo where the Lost Colony is. Mm-hmm. He got his career started there as Sir Walter Raleigh. So we, you know, became acquaintances there. And he got me a gig on his, on Matlock in a musical version. Uh, Joel Grey played the director of the musical. There's, the play was called Love and
0: Justice starred me and Lauren Mitchell, who was the taller stepsister in, the,
2: in And uh, we sang with this big production number that was the musical Matlock even called the worst musical ever staged. <laughs> and so, so I was just in the big production number with that. And then after that, then we moved to New York and then I was cast in Les Mis and that lasted me a couple of years. And uh, and that led to right after that, then came Beauty the Beast, the guy, uh, a guy named Don France, who was one of the, he wrote the book about Uh, the production of of, uh, Beauty and the Beast, saw me on the road as Javert and thought I would be a good Gaston. And so I auditioned. Terry Mann had already been cast as the Beast. And so I auditioned. And then Burke Moses was Gaston. So, I mean, he really is fantastic. And there's an interesting thing about Burke Moses and Into the Woods that happened. When I did the original San Diego production, then Into the Woods, we were off for several months. And I was doing a production in Los Angeles, a um, repertory thing called Musical Comedy L.A. We did voice for series views and leave it to Jane. So I was starring in both of those shows and it was going to continue running just about the first week Then it was going to start back. So I wasn't going to be able to do it. And so they cast Burke Moses as the Rapunzel Prince. And uh, it turned out that I don't know what he did. I don't know if he pissed them off. Something happened. He didn't like him. and when I called. We were going to close a week early in Los Angeles. So I called just to let them know just in case. And then they said, "Yeah, come on back." Nice. And, uh, so, so that was nice. So it kind of turned about fair play, and then then I got to uh, cover uh, Burke, uh, and he never missed. The only, <laughs> only I got I got to go on one week as Gaston because Burke was getting ready to take the tour west, right? So he was looking for an apartment out in California. So I got one week <laughs> as as guest on, but I got several weeks as a beast once the Tonys came and went. And then Terry decided it was not a big, not a problem to take a few days off. So I did a lot of productions as the Beast. And then when the uh, opportunity came to create the Canadian company, they said, would you open it? And so I got to be the premier Beast in Canada. Wow. And I did that. For, I did that for a year while uh, Jeff McCarthy came over. Yep. And took over the Beast in uh, in California. And I mean, yeah, in uh, New York. And when I heard that he was unhappy, and wasn't unhappy, he did it for nearly a year. And when I heard he was leaving, I called my agent. I said, don't you let them cast another beast. let bring me back. And so we had moved. I'd done a year, a little over a year in Canada. And we had still another six months on the lease on our house. So I had to leave my family in Canada for <sighs> six months so I could come back and be the beast. But then all in all, I did the beast for
1: about five years. Wow. wow. So it was pretty great. But then after that, uh, Jim Barber came in and he did it for a couple of years. And then Steve Blanchard. Yep. Who, he was in The Three Musketeers with me back in the day. He went on, and he played the Beast for like 13 years. Yeah, yeah, he was there for a long time.
2: Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, nice work if you can get it.
1: <laughs> now, going back to Into the Woods real quick, would you ever play the narrator or any other role in, oh, in Into no, the Woods? I'd like to play the baker. Are you kidding? You'd be a great baker. Wow. Have, have you had any opportunities to uh, go back into the show or – well no, I've done a lot what I do a lot of times, I do a thing called Game of Women's. It's one of my master classes and I'll go in with uh, with the company and we'll
2: we'll explore what it you know, I break the when game of, before they ruined Game of Thrones at the end. Because if they had a, if they ended strong it would still be as popular today as it ever was. But yeah. they ruined it. No,
1: nope, I agree. Which is a shame. But um but I had cre- I, you know, I
2: I split all the all the uh, characters into their own houses and each one had their own little sigil and their own like words right ours was the harder to get the better to have uh, the baker's was it takes two um, you know um the and rapunzel's was just ah <laughs> that was her words and i put p-fi for the giant but uh, but so we broke it into those houses so, just so they can see how the different characters how they're all interrelated right now they all connect and uh, one of the things one of the things the most interesting things that came out of that one student came up and said, well, you know, there's that lyric when the witch is singing, robbing me, raping me, rooting through my baker Do you think that the uh, mysterious man actually had sex with the witch? Because if you think about the symbolism of losing her special beans and ah. something she had to protect, right? And so I said, well, that's a
0: reasonable thought. And it, cause then, then it really does. So it's possible that he, it's possible that the baker is uh, might even be the... the uh, but no, no, actually, Rapunzel might be the, the mysterious man's daughter because the baker was already born at that point. I yeah. But, but, it's, but it's like I hadn't really thought of that. But, it, you know, it's something
1: worth, you know, like I said, it's art, right? There are no wrong interpretations. Right. You get through, right? Wow, that's a good, I've but never I've, thought of that. So I, 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 I've talked with dozens and dozens of casts
2: about the thing, and it's fun to work it through. Oh here's the into the woods thing for you. The first time that Bob you know, the, the
0: costume was was unnecessarily offensive, right? <laughs> And by the time we did the national tour, my, I had much furrier legs and we painted it down so it wasn't quite so offensive, right? But the first time he put on that costume with the every you know, the chest was all pink and fleshy and so was the phallus. And it also had two independently pendulous testicles
2: that were photorealistic with bumps the whole 10 yards, right? Wow. So we're back, we went back, we said, we looked at him, we said, you can't be serious, right? <laughs> so he comes on and says, So those were removed right away.
1: Now, was it the reaction that that costume gets now in the film production did it get the same reaction then on stage when the wolf would come out and we would see the wolf in all of his glory
2: oh yeah yeah i mean it was it it was it was like mildly disturbing yeah and but that's why you know they they toyed with the idea because they 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 you know when it was first evolving they had both of us either of the princes tried both and and i think they liked us both but it made more sense for bob to do it since he a was above the title and b um, although when we first were working with it, it was Ken Marshall, not Bob Wissenberg in uh, in San Diego. And Ken went on. I don't know if you ever saw the movie Krull. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the star of that movie was the original
0: Cinderella Really?
1: Yeah. Wow, That's cool. And, uh,
2: so we tried that. We tried that. And then they also tried the narrator being the
1: wolf. Huh. And that became too creepy. It was too... Yeah. Creepy. Yeah, I can and see that. So they decided not to go that way. I see and that. Plus, the thing that I like about Cinderella's friends being the wolf is there's that there's an echo, right? When he says, uh, 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 "Any path, so many worth exploring, one would be so boring." The prince says to the baker's wife, like, "Memories for one would be so boring." And so it's the wolf. It's the wolf both times, right? One's the prince and one's the wolf, but it's the same
2: huh. carnivorous uh, approach, right?
1: I like that. <laughs> uh, do you do you keep in touch with any of your uh, former cast members? I do.
2: Yeah, me and well, Pamela and Phil Hoffman, we we stay in touch and that's the beauty of Facebook. We kind of keep in touch with everybody. Right? right. Yeah. You know, and, jo- and, and, jo- and Joanna Gleason and uh, Chip Zine are more, they're busier than most, but we, we, you know, on holidays and birthdays, we always keep in touch. Nice. Nice. But Pamela, for sure. We, in fact, before that, End of Witch Reunion, I just done Anything Goes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, I
1: saw first. that in DC. I saw it when yeah, you came to DC. Came, she came to
2: visit us. Yeah,
0: nice. no, that was a fun show.
1: So nice. That that was, yeah, I remember going to see that, and I, I didn't know you were in it until I sat down and looked at my, my playbill. And I thought, and I, oh!
2: The captain, the captain is a small part, but it's a fun part, and you know, it's, and I and I think I brought some dignity to it. Yeah. I tried to bring the, the, you know, I made it feel like you were really at a, and what I would do for the, for the, for the you know, there was like the overture and everything, I would constantly, I would walk that set of the ship a hundred times, so I felt like I'd lived. You know, because I've been on ships before. Sure. The time you saw me in the show, I was—I had walked enough to actually be on the ship. So I felt it. I don't know if you guys felt it, but it made us feel like we were at home on the ship.
1: Absolutely. I mean, that's yeah. It was was such a—I love that set too. It's incredible.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Rachel York is amazing. Yeah. Although Sus Foster is amazing too. She's doing it. She just did it again in
1: London. Yeah, yeah. She's just doing it again.
2: And they're about to come do that thing with
1: you, right? They're going to do... That's right. They're doing The Music Man, yeah. Pretty uh, cool. I, I, you know, don't know if I can afford a ticket to that, but, uh, you know, I'll... Uh,
0: Nobody, can.
2: Nobody can. Uh,
1: You know. <laughs> I'll hear about it later, I'm sure.
2: But you you know that one will be filmed. That'll be,
1: you'll be able to see that eventually. I, Yeah, absolutely.
2: I mean, if not filmed, it'll be like whatever that Broadway HD stuff or something.
1: Yeah. And, and it, do you think that's going to be a, a more of a thing now? Uh, Broadway shows being filmed for release?
2: I, I hope so. Everybody were, you know, I'm of the opinion that and they won't ever do it because of the Screen Actors Guild, but I think they should do a live feed of every show and then they you, you should be able to pay a huge amount of
0: money and buy that performance to take over. Yeah. The problem with that is,
2: people would try to broadcast it
0: and that would never work. So right. it'll never happen. But I think that, wouldn't that be great? I think it, and... If wrong with the
1: show, you had that too. Right? right, and because, you know, not everyone can make it to New York City to go see their favorite Broadway show.
0: <laughs>
1: uh, let's see, let's jump to... Um, so after Beauty and the Beast... Uh, w- how long was, you went Beauty the Beast? Then did you go Jekyll and Hyde national tour?
2: Yes. Yeah. Then I did the millennium tour. We called it the millennium tour. It was, uh, um, it was me and, uh, Andrew Ravette who did the thing with David Hasselhoff. She mm-hmm. was, she's great. And Sharon Brown.
0: So I had the first interracial, um, uh, Jekyll and Hyde. And she was very strong, very talented, but nobody, nobody can replace Linda Hedder. Right. Right. You know, he's, she, she's the best. and. Uh, but we did that. For, I did that for a couple of years, and uh, and they paid
2: me re- because I I was when it came time to, to take over for Bob in New York,
0: it was a debate whether it would be me or Rob Evan, because mm-hmm. Rob had been that may right Jeff in uh, in New York, and uh, and so um, they gave it to Rob, but as compensation they paid me a shitload of money
2: <laughs> on the road, so that was very nice. And then, uh, but but because. Bob was convinced that it was the hardest role in the history of mankind. And it's a difficult role, but it's not impossible, right? That I only had to do six shows a week. And then I had a guy named Brian Noonan, very, very talented mm-hmm. who was the matinee Jekyll for me, like Rob was to Bob Cuccioli. And so I did that for a year. But then I signed up again for another six months, but I said, I'm not going to do it unless, A, the money got bumped, B, I want billing, so it'll be Chuck Wagner and Jekyll mm-hmm. and I, and then C, I want to do all eight shows,
0: and so I, they gave it to me, and that was a great way to, to ride out the thing. But if you're going to if you're out on the road doing it, I hate not doing all eight shows. Right. I mean, you know, other studies or standbys are good for when you need them, but it's you know, it's fun. It's fun. I, mean, I didn't take the job on the road to not do it. So right. I'm sure Brian was not happy that I took away his two shows a week <laughs> because he's very very talented. But uh, and you know, and I. I'd like to say I felt sorry for him. But but I was mostly
2: I was just looking out for myself.
0: Of course. Of course.
2: And plus once you put you're doing a show that that's, that's strenuous eight times a week, then it's in your body. You're stronger.
0: Yeah. If you're just so strong, it's it's fantastic. So,
1: so after playing that that role, uh, mm-hmm. and I've seen video clips on YouTube of you doing some of the, the songs. Doing the hair ballet. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, uh, that's an amazing thing. I, I do that. Sh- I do the confrontation in mice. I have two shows.
2: When one, one I do like the high end cruise, and one of the second shows called Classic, where I just basically celebrate classic monologues. So I do, I do Fresh Blood from Dracula, and I do the confrontation of Jack High without the hair,
0: mm-hmm.
2: and it's still it works just fine. And right? it's really about what's internal. You
0: don't right. The you don't.
2: The hair isn't a nice. It's a nice touch, right? But it works fine without the hair too.
1: <laughs> and may I say, uh, you looked great with the nice long locks. If you no, ever
2: that wave that was went through a lot. <laughs> and plus, if you think about it, I've seen this, like the Business career. He says, "I'm high, like I was, hair's all messed out." He says, "You want to see him?" And I stab my arm, I stab my leg, flop on the floor, and magically my hair is fixed. That is. <laughs> That's some absurd theatrical <laughs> bullshit. You really have to—you have to really suspend disbelief to think. Oh, look! Magically, it's hair. Magical.
1: Right. How did that happen? Yeah, that's so, that's. Uh, it's,
2: a, it's a little silly, but and yet so people think it's like, like magic, right? So,
1: it's. Like, okay. d- dare I say, just as magical as the beast's, beast's uh, transformation at the very end of the show. That well, uh,
2: uh, hardly is. It's not that, magical <laughs> because that, that, that transformation is amazing, and that levitation effect signed by Jim Steinmeier. We did a lot of David Copperfield's flying. Really? So that business about flying and spinning in the air, that's me flying and spinning in the
1: so air. So can, can you share how it works, or will the Disney world well, I'm come like after we, you? We were
2: contractually obligated not to tell you, but that's been 20 years ago, right? So it's really not a problem. The uh, the main, its there's several steps in the misdirection. The first things happen when you, you
0: show her Maurice in the mirror on the bench. Uh-huh. She she I said, go, 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 go take care of him. And then there's the pathetic version of If I Can't Love Her, the sad beast on the bench. Right. And then Gaston is pulling the townspeople to go attack the castle. And while he's doing that, you go down and you underdress, you take off the beast. And at that point, you sweat mm. so much, a little baby oil that, and that, that comes off pretty quick. You don't have time to put any other makeup on. Uh-huh. You just much take the beast off. And then they put the prince wig on. The prince wig's got your microphone in the back of the wig. Uh, so you're sitting there and then you put on a harness that goes on your back there's like a steel spine that goes up your back
2: mm-hmm. and it holds you at the hips and it holds you under your arms and it clicks in with a cotter pin to this levitation rig and the levitation rig is like a forklift sort of with a long arm but what's amazing about the arm is that it can the, the end of it rotates but it also has kind of a tendon so when you when you start to lift up you're, first you levitate and then you, and meanwhile they you, you get locked into the machine and they lower you down to position so you're already laying down the misdirection is that when Gaston attacks the castle and the fight on the parapet that's a stunt beast huh. so that's the first misdirection <laughs> and, and then as the as the castle rotates around and they're on the outside of the crepe and they're fighting way
0: out on the thing where mm-hmm. Gaston off the ledge and stabs him and she staggers back into the balcony. As the beast stands, Belle, that's what connects the illusion is that Belle's, you see her taking him into the thing just as the castle revolves again. Uh-huh. And as it revolves, the stunt beast exits and then she comes right down to kneel on the... Oh! On the beast ...right? There, right? <laughs> so it's smooth,
2: it's quick, and then all of a sudden he starts
0: to levitate and spins like a propeller. Uh-huh. It's like, wow, that's impressive enough. But then it, then the tendon happens, and now you're spinning against that axis, so you're breaking the plane, so if you can't like, be wires,
2: it's like right. A magic, right? Yeah. And so that's amazing. And at the end, and all this time, the music's turning, right? And Merwin Ford, who has since passed away... Yeah,
1: big oh, fan so of Merwin Ford, yeah.
2: Him. And, uh, and he sings... Uh, so... You go, boom, his left arm's out, boom, his right arm's out, and then spinning. He throws the mask off upstage, of and now he's turning into Jesus, now he's turning into Jesus, now he's turning into
0: Jesus, now he's turning into Jesus, Jesus. boom, When the mask comes off, you have to reach back and pull the cotter pin out, and then as you come back down, you gently lift off the thing with the thing, the arm mm-hmm. sinks down to the floor,
1: and now you're the prince. It's pretty ha- amazing. Uh, you you mentioned him briefly, but Merwin Ford loved Merwin Ford. Uh, oh, I saw him a guy. few times, and he was phenomenal. Yeah, he's uh, good in everything he ever did. Yeah, he was great. And when I heard he passed, I it was, it was you know very you know it was a sad day. Yeah. yeah, I was jealous he got to do that revival of 1776 with Brett Spiner. Yeah. That was cool. You know, with live theater, you never know what's going to happen. Did uh, yeah, exactly. did anything ever happen with during the transformation going from oh, beast sure. to?
0: Sometimes, sometimes you'd find out. Well, fortunately, if
2: there was if the machine locked up, we would usually know before, so we would just that part would not happen, and mm-hmm. we would have to do the transformation dance, which we <laughs> I, I refer to it as like the Martha Graham transformation, <laughs> but it was the same thing. It, it was like it was like a because uh, you still have the lights doing what they did. Uh-huh. You
0: still have that fire, little sparkles and fireworks. And it's, what's really
2: interesting, you see these little sparkles of fireworks at the time. If you go back and read the original French fairy tale, it describes these fireworks. Really? Just like, it's, yeah, it's part of that. That's, that's like true to the text. <clears throat> and uh, so you got that. You got the whole thing. You got the so and so. It's the same thing. You're, you're coming out of that thing like a cocoon, and then it's exactly the same thing. Boom! His left arms out at the same time. Right arms out at the same time. Then you kind of reach back, and as the, as you throw the mask off stage, the the there's lights on the stage that go out and blind the audience for just a second. See the second.
0: So there, that blinding light covers the mask toss, and then boom, boom you're the prince. It never fails to get an
2: applause, even without the levitation. Right.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's magic, and it's that yeah. Disney magic that just lives lives up there. Oh yeah.
2: It's, um. It's, it's like when I was Automan. They asked me, "How did you make the special effect?" And the producer said,
1: "Yeah, you throw a lot of money at him. <laughs> <laughs> That'll do it too."
2: <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. Um, Now, speaking of Disney on Broadway, uh, I don't know if anyone's ever told you this, but uh, you'd be a great Jafar. Would you ever go in oh, and? I would love uh, to do that. Well, it, Irwin did that. He was. Yeah,
0: he was yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: No, I would love to do that. I would he, love. To- I would like to. I'd like to crack into genie, but they're not ever going to
0: give. They won't ever give. It's like Mufasa. Right I'd like to be Mufasa too, but that's not going
1: to happen. What about what about Scar? Would you go in and do Scar?
2: I could do Scar. I would like to do it, but I don't. I think it's past. I think I'm not <laughs> too old now. I'm not too old. Uh, Although
0: I do think I tell you, I still got a Jack behind
2: me. I'd like to do a revival of and Hyde, but I think the Constantine tour screwed that up for
1: everybody. I I think so. I did, I saw that but tour, I, and I I wasn't it, very. Uh, what
2: I, well, it's thing i love him he's in the quiet case mm-hmm. i like i just didn't like it was they put it in a key i couldn't sing it yeah he
0: sang it in such a high key it was like it's nice i guess if you can do it but yeah and i loved him to death. he's a great guy oh
1: i, I he, he seems like a wonderful there, person there's, there's a there's a there's
2: a simplicity and an honesty to it mm-hmm. that i miss right and and uh and plus you know you can't without, without Linda or somebody of that caliber
1: yeah, It's just not the same. And I, I, I saw some of the staging and everything. And then the confrontation, wasn't it all in a video thing instead? Yeah, it was a video. Yeah, that was so what they did originally. I think that was a mistake. I think that one thing that that you got to give uh,
2: uh, Bacuccioli, and I can't remember the man's name who directed that version, but whoever came up with that hair ballet, mm-hmm. that was brilliant.
1: Yeah, it, it was,
2: absolutely. When I first saw it, I almost laughed at it. I said, you fucking kidding me. Right? <laughs> but then... It, but he was but he was so committed. And by the time at the end of it, you go, damn, that
1: was all right. That was pretty good. Did you ever see it with uh, David Hasselhoff? Did you ever get to go I see did. it? I
2: did. In fact, David Hasselhoff did it because I told him that he should do it. <laughs> David, you know, what you don't know, one of the first things I did when, after, when I was on General Hospital, we did a musical review called Love in the Afternoon. Uh-huh. Some little opera stars got together. And, uh, and so we were singing on the love boat. Susan came with me. And it was very romantic. And we got, we I called ship to shore because we didn't have cell phones at the time. Mm-hmm. I got permission. So we got married at sea. And David Hasselhoff was my best man. Really? Uh, it wasn't that I knew him that well, but he was the best man I knew on the ship at the time.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so we've kept in touch over the years. And when I was doing the, the national tour of Jekyll and Hyde, He's good friends with one of my friends from the Lost Colony, I mean, Alex Daniels, who's mm-hmm. a great stuntman who's covered who done stunts for him forever. And we were sitting in the theater
2: outside of Baltimore, and Alex got David on the phone, and I said I talked to him too. I said, you know, David, you know, you can sing this. You want to give this a look? Look into doing this,
1: and he did it. And it, you know, it wouldn't even that video wouldn't exist if it weren't for David Hasselhoff, and it wouldn't exist if it were not for you. You, you, <laughs> the show me. Well uh, yes, but I, I David Hasselhoff's powers, turn. I, I didn't have the power to get it videotaped, right? Right.
2: And then uh, then they brought in, like in New York, they brought in Jack Wagner and who closed the show, and I said, Well shit, I could have closed the show.
1: Yeah, and, you know, it's yeah, funny yeah. when I would look up uh, trying to find videos of you, more videos of you in uh, into the show, it would come yeah, up really not good uh Jack, not Chuck. And then well that's yeah, right. not that's not what I'm looking for. Uh no, no, so, Jack, Jack was okay. He didn't have the he didn't have as big a voice. Right. I mean the Frank Frank's, Frank's that the show is very strong musically and it's a little thin story wise. Mm-hmm. So you really have to bring it, right? You have to bring the drama, the melodrama yeah. with you. Right. Absolutely. And it
0: helps to have that,
2: that big voice to sing Frank's music.
1: Right. Um so now I'm gonna skip a few years ahead to uh Ringling Brothers. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: Uh how, well, how really slowed down for me a little bit. And so uh, um, I was in town to audition for the woman in white. I wanted to be the standby to Michael Crawford and Mm the woman in white. And uh, so I had an audition, blah, blah, blah. And while I was there, I also got to audition. They were having auditions for the circus. And the idea was they were looking for a faked family. Yep. They wanted a dad uh, whose dream was to become the ringmaster, and they would live that out, right? And so uh, I met with the Fells who were producers on The Three Musketeers. My ah. my debut, right? So we kept in touch. So it was like circles upon circle of magic. It's like the, that movie Science, right? If you, if you know what to look for, you see the miracles, and I believe in the miracles. There, are there. When you see those coincidences, that's like shows you're on the right path, right? And so he, they told me that they loved my audition, but that they were embarrassed about what they could pay me. And I said, listen, you tell me what you can pay me. And we'll, I'll tell you if you need to be embarrassed. And it wasn't as much as I'd like if I was doing like a regular show for just a few weeks. But this is this is a two-year gig of payment every week. So even though it's it works out to be
0: less, it actually those were some of the best years I had. And the uh, the second tour I did that paid me quite a bit more, and it was one of the best years I ever had. So, and, but I also did you know we live on the train yeah um, for eleven months out of the year.
2: I would walk the elephants in and blah blah blah. So it was really fantastic.
1: What well, did um, you li- did you like living on the train, the iconic train?
2: I did, and I had a. We had a. Tra- we had just gotten a dog right before this happened, who we we figured was a a mix, but mostly American Eskimo. And as we were doing research on that that uh, that uh, breed, we realized that
0: there was a troop of American Eskimos <laughs> in the first greatest show on earth. And mm-hmm. and then I got cast. And I thought well that's meant to be and then my, yep. my wife said Ked, guess what you get to take the dog <laughs> <laughs> so I was like okay so that was kind of fun for me to have the dog on the, yeah. uh, the circus gave me some
2: company and uh, uh, it was tremendous fun I, I loved it and then they at, so they the first one we had it was me and then I had an aerialist from Argentina her dream was to become an aerialist mm-hmm. then I had a dancer from Brazil for a daughter whose dream was to become a dancer and then miraculously my little Chinese son wanted to be, wanted to be an actor acrobat and he just fit right in with that Chinese acrobat. So it was like <laughs> unbelievable. No usually it kind of was a believable illusion. But one time at Madison Square Garden, because the, they took the, the fake family out of the more expensive seats right at the end of the ramp. This was the first time we'd never had this first no they didn't have three rings. They had one big ring right. and a giant
0: T V screen which was an experiment, and then they found out that most people ended up watching the TV and not watching what was happening. So yeah. That, we changed that right away. But So we're sitting in Madison Square Garden with expensive seats, it's me and my fake family, and Michael Douglas and his son, and that's all the people that they're choosing from. And he's where the kid, Michael Douglas, is raising his hand I'm saying some might, they're not going to pick any <laughs> <laughs> That's and a hilarious. Times, a times they would pick our fake family, and an extra kid would run up with us. Really? And so, yeah, and so instead of, because we didn't have time to give it back, so I would take the kid with me because uh, uh, my ringmaster coat would fly down from the ceiling. Yep. I would put that on and they bring the horse out and I would ride the horse out. Right? So a couple times we had an extra kid, I'd just take the next kid with me and ride out. <laughs>
2: wow. Eventually, eventually we'll give it back to the parents.
1: Sure, sure. <laughs> That's funny. What was that, you know, what's the biggest difference between doing a, a show eight times a week, a Broadway musical? to touring with a circus where you do like what 10 shows or more a week
2: yeah, yeah i mean it's it's a lot but then you're also playing sometimes like salt lake city or chicago where there's still big attendance mm-hmm. we like in salt lake city we played to 75 but how much how many were that it was a huge like the whole arena is like packed people. and it's it's uh, it's thousands and thousands of people I did an interview with the Harvard Business Review that we, the interview was called playing to the back row. Uh-huh. And even though you're really amplified, but the whole idea
0: is not just the sound that you're making, but the energy you have to reach all the way to the back. And if you're yeah. reaching to the back of an auditorium, that's, I mean, of an arena, that's a big pitch. Right?
1: Oh yeah, oh yeah.
2: So yeah, it's amazing. But it's it's essentially the same thing. Okay. It's just, it's just uh, the magic of it is uh, what I used to say
0: was great about my role as the ringmaster is that I got to be in the circus and at the circus. And my yeah. seat from on the deck is the best, I got the best seat in the house. Yeah.
1: So now, uh, funny. so you did the, um, it was called the circus of dreams and then over the top.
2: Right. Uh, circus of dreams. We called it circus of lies. We were the big
1: <laughs> that's, that might be more, more fitting. Yeah. That's definitely a more fitting and, uh, name.
2: And the circus songs with Jennifer Fuentes, whose name is now Jennifer Despain. Okay. And, uh, but she was delightful. In fact, her costume is now
0: on display at the uh, somewhere in New York. I don't know if it's really, about yeah, that's they have cool. A huge, like
2: iconic costume thing, and her dress, that circus dress, is on display right now.
1: Where, do you know? What happened to your uh, your hat and your coat?
2: Yeah, yeah. Well, I have the hats. Nice. I have my black hat, the red hat with the crown, mm-hmm. and uh, because and. Technically, you're not supposed
0: to have them. Right? Yeah.
2: I mean, I, I, it's like, are you kidding? If
1: they were made for me. I'm taking them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs>
2: so
1: uh, so, so I have
2: them. They're, they're ready for the museum. Yeah, <laughs> I,
1: I, you know, I, they they should. That's yeah. what they should be. You know, you can sign it or yeah,
2: something. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> but but I have seen my coat though. That, I have this beautiful coat that's got uh, that was designed by uh, Colleen Atwood, who's she she's designed. I don't know if you saw. Uh, the Tim Burton *Planet of the Apes*. Yeah, she did those costumes. She's done really a premium conference. She's done like a lot of the Sondheim stuff too. <laughs> uh, but so she designed my my first Ringmaster costume, and it had this elaborate RBBB embroidery on the mm-hmm. back. And I've seen that at several uh, circus PR events.
1: Father it's right there. It's <laughs> cool. uh, so so you did two tours. The over the top tour. I I you know I saw both of them. Um... Uh, yeah,
2: over the top was. Uh, it was nice because we had this clown named Tom Daugherty. Yeah. the whole idea was we were fighting over the top hat, uh-huh. and whoever had the hat, well, if you saw it, you know, it, you know, it supposedly was... had had uh, control of the circus. But when we got that first script about over the top, they had—I uh, had my like the uh, Cossacks on the horses were like part of my army, and all
0: the clowns were part of his army, uh-huh. and they were going to have it be like a, a battle, right? And and that's when the the. Uh, War in Iraq started sure. about that same time, and I said, are you sure we want to use war terminology for this show? And so they softened that up, so it yeah. wasn't so much uh,
1: uh, that, it was fun. That song, there's the song that you sing at the, uh, the over-the-top song is constantly, I can just hear a bit of it in my head all the time, uh, and it just doesn't go away. Uh, so yeah. how many, uh, so you did, you did the show for four years. Was there an understudy for you as well as the ringmaster? Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, we
2: did have, we had two, they had two ways. They had a, uh, if I would lose my voice, they had We pre-recorded. So we have a way. We had tracks if I had to, that they could do it with tracks,
0: oh, okay. which
2: I, I oh, fortunately okay. never had to use. But there was one week when I had to go home for uh, for something. Mm-hmm. And a guy named Rye Mullis, who is now one of the show directors at Disney World. A crazy talented guy, and he was like the assistant director to the lady who put the show together,
1: and he took over for me, you know, which is, you know, and he wore he wore my, basically, he basically wore my costume, and it was, it was a little bigger on him than it was on me, but he looked great, and he's a very talented, very talented guy, so. Now was he was with cool you for... He,
2: that's, those are his,
1: that's crazy. Was he with he you, was you for bo- both tours, or did you not? Did you ever not miss a show for the first tour? Did you no, just...
2: no, the first nine, I don't, I don't, I don't
1: miss. Wow, that's incredible because yeah. that's that's a lot. You do like three on a Saturday, and that's how do you how do you keep that energy up? Doing two is tough, but how do you do three?
0: Well, I mean,
2: you just, you, just, you know you're walking the elephant's head. Uh, fortunately, a lot of places I had a bicycle with me, so I would bike to the. To, from the train to the circus, uh-huh. and so
0: I was—you know—just was in good shape. Yeah, I just—I felt—I felt pretty good about. It. I mean, I was fatter than I should but <laughs> but but I was
2: very very strong. And what was interesting about that last year, I I, I was doing the—I was on that ringmaster float, and all of a sudden I did it. I like twisted, and I said, Oh, something's not right." And I so I went home at Christmas time, and I, this was Christmas after the thing was over, and I and I thought something. And so I went to see an orthopedic surgeon and he said, oh, it's nothing; a little stretching won't take care of. And I said, all right. <laughs> so I stretched and stretched and stretched. And then after a good workout, I took a nice hot jacuzzi because we have a jacuzzi bath. And, uh, and then the next morning I couldn't move. I could, literally couldn't get out of bed. My wife thought I was kidding. And I said, no, I'm not kidding. And so we went and we saw, uh, we did MRIs and my hips were screwed up. Really? In fact, there was nothing to be done for them but to have them replaced. But he gave me an epidural. To, for the pain, and then the next day, I feel like sitting in the lotus position, and I said, can we do this every day? <laughs> and they said, no, you can't. And so, then that next January, I had my left one done, and March, I had my right one done, and so now I'm machine-tooled. I have two, <laughs> two mechanical hips, and it worked so well, I'm thinking of having all my bones
1: replaced. <laughs> I love that. Top of the world again. It's, uh, it's, it's pretty good. So you actually already answered one of my questions about: Do you have the ta- the hat from the show? So you have one, yeah. or you have two of your hats. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so you know, I'm I'm a very big, I love you know the theater world. I'm a theater teacher, uh, and yeah, yeah, yeah. I and I love oh, Ringling that Brothers. Like that. Um, so I've heard rumors, you know, that it it might come back one day. It is coming back. And but that's. It's not just But when it comes back; it'll be without animals. That's what I I figured it would be. Uh, you yeah. know, and it's gonna be a little different, but that's you know, I've seen a lot of circuses you without know, the animals. The Fels are very successful. They, they bought monster trucks. Yep. They have that. They've got all the Marvel shows. They got Disney on Ice. So they all of those touring shows. The only thing is, it won't ever be the same. It won't. Ever, it won't be on the train. The train is. Oh, fine. really? Well, yeah, because yeah, the train's the train. gone. They yeah, it's all gone.
2: Yeah, a lot of the train cars. Some of them are at Circus World in Baraboo. Mm-hmm. Uh, Scott O'Donnell, who is one of my uh, boss clowns from the. The, my other boss clown, Sandor, um, is, uh, I'm not sure what he's doing, but some of my, I know some of my clown friends are in Vegas. Uh, I just worked with one of the clowns from the circus before me, is a is a juggler, entertainer who was just on this ship just really? this past week. So, yeah, so it's a very small world. But Scott O'Donnell is pretty much in charge of circus world in Barrett, wow. Wisconsin, where the Ringler Brothers
0: used to win quarter before they became
2: Ringler Brothers and Barnum Bailey.
1: Oh, wow. Didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Barrett, so. Wisconsin. Well uh Chuck thank you so much for doing this uh, uh again I want to just note for everyone that he is wh- where are you right now you're standing are you in a
2: hallway I'm in Port we're about I just did um Cozumel, Costa Maya and uh, and uh, Mahogany Bay in
0: Honduras and now uh, this time we're going to we're going to go east in the Caribbean so I'll probably do Puerto Rico and and so
2: they have a small private island that we do and you know so we're going east this
1: time so we kind of get, from week to week, we go east to west curriculum. Nice, nice. Well, again... As
2: far as I'm concerned, it's just all ship all the time because they don't want us to get off. Right. Because And they test us. I'm tested every three days.
1: Wow. Wow.
2: So I met so hard, not good, I managed to avoid
1: it. Right. Uh And thank you for doing this interview with me today. It's my pleasure. Um, good luck
2: with all your students and uh, all the best. You know, thank you. when you guys... If you ever do one of the shows
1: that I've done, you know I'm available for a master Yeah, you know, I, uh, I I will 100% get in touch with you again when I when I do uh, one of your shows again. All right. Okay. Um, thanks, John. Yeah. Uh, and,
2: okay, let me do this since we talked about it anyway. Every time I do this, I have to do this for paid. Sure. talk about the Beauty and the Beast. That was, so that's,
1: that's my beast. I think that's a great way to close the show. All right. All right
2: Fantastic. All the best.
1: Thank Thank you, you. Chuck. Yeah, thank you. Wear
2: your mask. Get vaccinated. Yes. You probably are
1: (laughs) already. And just like that, that is my first interview of the season with Broadway's Chuck Wagner. Thank you so much, Chuck, for being a part of the second season of the Somewhat Happy Hour. I hope to have Chuck back on the show again one day talking more about his Broadway career and on. So now I have a little treat for you. My dear pal Dima has written a new song that closes out the Somewhat Happy Hour. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the new closing to the show. And thank you so much for listening to the Somewhat Happy Hour with me, Josh Vest. Take it away, Dima.
0: Thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed the show. The drinks are over and we hope that you know if you're feeling down. Just join the past. It's the somewhat happy hour with Josh Bassett.